Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Run for the Song Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today, my guest is Aria Goggin from the amazing band Skindred. How is it going, man? Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me, mate. Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. This is a highlight of the year, if I'm honest. Getting oh to talk about drums. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, I know you've done a few interviews. I've kind of been snooping around the interweb. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, it's nicer when it's a little bit more specialized um, and yeah. we get to talk about our, you know, what we do for a living and the things we love to hit with sticks. I know, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, various objects. But yeah, it's, it's cool. And, you know, and like, we're not, we're not going to spend an hour talking about drums, unfortunately. You can if you want, but, you know. Just you know, nice. see where it goes. I'm yeah. sure there'll be drum stuff and then probably like things that everyone else wants to hear about. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, my... Uh, you know, listenership would be very, uh, you know, it's pretty small anyway, but uh, it'd be even smaller. But no, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> but what, what, what I always like to do is kind of learn about how you originally got into the drums and drumming itself. So have you got like a story there from when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because um, I went back to my parents' house, um, I think it was last September. When lockdown was sort of over and you're allowed to go and see people, they live they live in Devon, I'm in London. So I went back to see them, I hadn't seen them for ages. And they'd been getting rid of things from the loft. Uh-huh. And my mum goes, I found this, you know, your first drum kit. And it was in this little suitcase about this big. And it was one of those paper drum kits, you know, the shells were about this big and it was paper and it was put all inside. And I got it out. She goes, yeah, you used to use that when you were about two years old. And these little weird sticks. Wow. So I guess it's it's always been there. It's always been there. I, I wanted to learn properly from as I know for as long as I can remember. And wow. I remember they got me this little kit and you know, broke it probably. And then it was like, you know, I got into actually listening to music. And I think I was probably about seven, something like that. I remember being seven and listening to Appetite by Guns N' Roses. Nice, and that nice. Was, that was probably the uh the thing that opened everything up. And then it was uh Queen, We Will Rock You, Paradise City, those kind of drum-led things. And I was like, what is that? I want to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I got to about 11 years old and there was a drum teacher at my school. My parents were kind enough to say, look, if we give you lessons with this guy and you do it for a year and you practice on your pillow and your practice pad, we'll get you a kit. And so I, I did that. And then one Christmas came, I got a drum kit and it was like the best thing ever. I didn't know until years later they got it on sort of like a like a layaway where you would pay monthly for it. But if I suddenly went, do you know what? I'm, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be a guitarist. They could take it back to the shop and get right. part of their money back. Huh. So old you know, school. I mean, yeah, old school. So I think you know, as lots of kids, as you know, are sort of fickle at that age, and sort of you know, one one week it's the clarinet, the next next it's you know, rocking out on the drums, then it's back to the trombone or whatever musical thing that you're into so I was lucky that I stuck with it so that was my musical thing but I got into it I think because of bands I was really a a band person and music I love the whole everything about it 
That's great, man. And such a young age, you're listening to rock bands. And is that is that what you mean? Yeah, That's... such a young age. We moved house, and um, I remember the movers were playing Appetite. That's wow. that's my memory, and I was like, "Wow, what is this?" <laughs> it was that kind of thing because you hadn't re- hadn't really heard much of that stuff. My dad was into the Rolling Stones, and you know, Zeppelin into right. classic rock. He was always into that stuff, and it was always been there. But for me, you know, you have your musical awakenings. I guess. I mean, it must be different for you because you had had that the entire time you've been growing up. I guess with your dad. Yeah, you it is fairly unique like, in that way, I suppose. Yeah, you know, you, you have different kinds of, you know. I guess your experiences are different. I, 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 that was my first thing of finding something on my own, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think I, similarly, I did have my own, like when I was, especially when I was a teenager, the bands I was into were bands like I had discovered. Yeah. And they, they were nothing to do with like my dad's world. And, you know, it was me and my friends were listening to like, you know, pop punk and, you know, and, yeah. I, and like I was big into the bands like Muse before they kind of went massive, massive. Um, I still, you know, I still love them. They're a great band. Um, They're yeah. from uh, where I grew up. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you, do you yeah. know any of those guys or do you have a cross well, path from, from them? From the cavern, you know, um, my old band before I was in Skindred, I was in a band called Tourniquet, which was like a local metal band. Well, we did, you know, bits and bobs, but we supported Muse a bunch of times at the cavern before wow. they were, they were yeah. Muse, you know. Amazing. Sort of, you'd always cross paths with those guys. I crossed paths with them more recently when they've been big and massive. Yeah. You know? Oh, but, man. Yeah, we could, so, That's good brilliant. band. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I was going to say, like, Dom, the drummer, is like one of my biggest kind of influences growing up, just, just being a solid rock drummer. And yeah. Knowing how the right parts to kind of fit the song. And I think he's a really. Like I'm not saying he's he's obviously not he's not underrated because he's in one of the biggest bands that exists. But I think as a drummer and as a like, um, well, I think in rock uh, in rock a lot yeah. of drummers are go into an underrated category, regard, yeah. regardless of their band size. It's, you know, it's like you know you don't have Jeff Picaro and Don from Muse. It's 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 they're doing their own thing. But the drummers drummers will look probably to Picaro, I guess. But band guys will probably look more to the Dom from Muse's type. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a difference between being in a band and being a great musician session dude. Absolutely. A- and, and like a clinician. And I think that's like, obviously this pod- podcast, I, you know, I'd happily chat to any drummer, but I, I'd like to give a spotlight to the guys in the bands that are kind of sitting in the background and helping bands make great songs. And maybe well, they, they, you don't see them in all the, the, the drum magazines and the drum websites and the tuition videos and stuff, but they're all amazing players. And I think it's, it's nice to give a, a little bit of a platform to those guys. Um, you know, with yourself, I, I, I assume, you know, you've been in skin red, is it almost 20 years you've been in them? Yeah. Yeah. So like you, you've, you've done so much with it. Obviously we will chat about that in a little while. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm probably going off tangent. Yes. Yeah. No, well, no, no, this is, this is perfect. And, and, people think of skin dread everyone thinks of benji and he is i guess he defines well, force isn't he yeah he is <laughs> he is it's one of those rare bands where he def- i guess it was his band originally right i don't know the exact yeah, history yeah, yeah. but yeah he, he started this it's a similarity to motorhead in a way is lemmy's band and you can't really you couldn't really have motorhead without lemmy like you yeah, couldn't really have skin dread without Benji, like, well, what well, would just be it's, 
it's a unique position i think where yeah. the, the the focal point is you know a lot of bands i grew up you know you talk about queen they were really you know my favorite all-time band but awesome. it, it was always where these four equal guys you know yeah and they and the way they presented it even though it was freddie but i can't imagine you know without any of those other members being in the band exactly because they they played such big roles as well yeah zeppelin sabbath or the, like the classic lineups and then you have bands like you say like ourselves or motorhead where there is a like a spearhead it could have been a solo project in a weird way yeah you know in a weird way you know in a weird way it's like when sammy hagar came into van halen he was like doing his own solo thing he was in the you know, he came into van halen and it's like part of the chemistry you know yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a strange thing i think it is you strange. know band solo and it, but, you know in, in some ways it's unfair to people like yourself in Skinner because your music is actually so unique and original anyway as well so it is unfair to say you know everyone look thinks of Benji but musically you're so interested as well so props to you for being oh, a part of that and, but you know you are even if you were if someone was listening to you like a, a instrumental version of your albums it wouldn't I couldn't think of any other bands specifically it would sound like so that's great and I think that deserves recognition it's, in itself thank you dude it's a uh it's a tough one i think for us because you know obviously we believe in what we do a hundred percent and yeah. you know enjoy it but it's a double-edged sword when you start mixing and fucking up people's perceptions of what music should be or he- especially heavy music yeah heavy music is, people really get territorial about it and get weird and it's like i know i don't re- i've never really liked the rule book so it's like out of the way do what we want to do and you know when you start doing that it you know for us it's lucky enough to have you know being able to have a career musically you know and obviously with benji but also there are people that instantly are turned off by the idea that you're mixing genres of music together you know and i've always i've always thought of us as personally as just a rock band that love lots of different kinds of music and you know some people in the band will sometimes go well you know we we have this as a heritage i go yeah but we're, we're a rock band that do you know, that like drum and bass or like reggae or dancehall or hip hop or punk, which we're greedy, pop punk, whatever, we have it all. And I like, I love that. And those, my favorite bands did embrace that, you know? Yeah, totally. But, and I, and that, that definitely helps. Cause if you, you, if you want to say, or we want to stay within, oh, we, well, we, we're a rock, obviously you're a rock band. I like calling bands, rock bands, anyone with guitars, drums, you know, yeah, distortion, me too, dude. it's rock, you know, it's rock music in my opinion. And, yeah, um, I agree. But yeah, like when you're trying to stay within with, within the realms of oh, well, we want to make sure we're just making like classic rock or or something like that. It's really restrictive. Um, so I think it's great to embrace all those different genres you mentioned, and that that they kind of all multiply together to create your the unique sound yeah. that I mentioned. And it's and good. It's, fu- it's good fun. Brilliant. It keeps everyone like, you know, keeps everyone guessing, keeps us in the band yeah. wanting to do and wanting to keep creating and do different things. I think, you know, it's part of the reason I think we're still around 20 years down the road. So, you know, and, and that you're absolutely amazing live. I mean, it does help. <laughs> it I, I hear we're right live. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty good. I, I haven't seen you for a few years now, which is pretty embarrassing to be honest. We, I guess we're, we're always busy at the same times. And obviously we sometimes play similar festivals, but we, I don't think we've ever really played. Different days. It's always different, different days. days. Yeah. So I can't really wait to be able to come and see you again. I think yeah, the last time same. I saw you, we was like slam dunk 10 years ago or something stupid like oh, that. Wow. A long time wow, ago. Yeah. 
long time ago. Slam dunk. Remember those? Did you still play those these days? Um, I think that when we did slam dunk, I think it was early days. Yeah, I think slam dunk's a massive thing now. I don't know. I bet I don't know if we're uh, if we got asked a hundred percent. I don't know if we'd get asked. I could see you headline it or something. I could. I I could. I I, I I like this attitude. Well, no, I could see you being at that stage where. I guess that's it's more of a pop punk emo festival from from my knowledge. And I guess yes. that's that's the kind of genre my old band used to kind of get lumped in with, even though I thought we were just a rock band. But I just, thought it was a walk tour, like a UK walk tour in one hmm. day. That's the way I always thought of it. And that's how it was sold to us early on because we'd done walk tour in the States and it was like, okay. This is pretty, when we did it, there were similar bands that were on the walk tour with us when we did it. So it seemed to make sense. Yeah, yeah. And there were things like Hit the Deck, that was like a, a similar kind of festival a few years ago that we did. Yeah, I've done that one, yeah. Not, yeah. Is it Nottingham? It was one in Nottingham and Bristol, yeah. yeah. Bristol, we yeah, we yeah. headlined that, which was cool. I mean, you know you know what our band's about. Yeah. Stickers on the stage, we'll just we'll go play to anyone. But that's what's great about it, because you can... You could play a metal festival and then you could play Reading and Leeds or whatever. Yeah. And I, I'm presuming you've done Reading and Leeds. I don't, I've never played it myself, but um, it's, yeah, you, a bunch of times. You, yeah, exactly. And then you could play Steelhouse Festival, which yeah. is mainly like aimed at classic rock kind of bands, but you can play anything because your, your music is so diverse. And that's, I think that's always going to benefit you. And, genres will come and go and you can take influence from new styles of music that can come out obviously you like the kind of a electronic side to some degree as well which is obviously a completely different area of music that i'm not familiar with to be honest with you like yeah. when you mentioned you kind of inter- integrate some of the dubstep kind of influences and stuff i know what dubstep is but i don't know much about it you know i recognize it when you're when you're trying to put a bit of that into your music, I kind of go, oh, that's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. steppy bit, you know? And But yeah, obviously new forms of music like that will come. And I can imagine you're the kind of band that'll be like, oh, let's, let's, let's try a bit of that and stick it in oh, the yeah, next we'll album. Oh, we'll yeah, we'll lap it up. That's, yeah, so, I think that's, it's always going to keep people guessing and keeping us as, you know, on our toes as well, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, and as long as you're keeping, you're enjoying playing, which it seems like you are. Um, 100%, yeah. It, I mean, everyone, that's the bug. Yeah, exactly. And, and and it's like that for me. It's the actual performance. Actually playing drums. I really enjoy playing drums. You don't get to do it a lot when I'm at home. So actually playing an acoustic drum kit is amazing. But performing in front of people, it's just another level. And the buzz you get off it. And I'm so craving it right now because it's been so long since we did it. Obviously, you recently played the download pilot, yeah. gig, which I was going to ask you about. So was that your first show? Yeah, we... um. The last show we did a skin dread was 2019 Christmas. So we were in France, came home, had January, sort of February off, sort of because we'd done we'd been touring really hard. So we took two months off and then we were going in to write the new record. Um yeah, and then March we were started writing and then it was like and that then uh, the next time I saw everyone was a week before download. So That's insane. Yeah, it's mental. I'd seen Mikey a few times because um, he's sort of closer to me. He's in Brighton and his girlfriend lives in London. So I'd see him socially a few times over the last year. But Dan and Benji, I hadn't seen, yeah, for like 18 months. Weird. But it felt like no time had passed, if I'm completely honest. 
Yeah. It was, which was weirder. I was expecting it to be weird. Like, uh, haven't seen you guys. And we've obviously seen them on zoom and talked to them and everything, but I was expecting there to be some kind of weirdness. And then I was weirded out that there wasn't, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> it was just normal. And yeah, you know, everyone was just buzzed to see each other. So it was, it was pretty cool. Awesome. And um, did, so did you have like a like a rehearsal session or a few? We did. A few or... oh, yeah. I mean, I hadn't played a drum kit for wow. eighteen months. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sat on my I sit on my pad here, you know, doing my rudiments. That's good. You yeah. do that. That's good. That's good that you do that. I mean, I didn't. And then at the beginning of the year, I started up again, and I was like, because just needed to get my wrists back. Yeah. You know, just the muscles and like you know, my hands are like in oiler you lay lovely you know lovely nice soft, moisture yeah, yeah there's, there's no calluses on these and this sort of you don't get that from playing on a pad or even practicing acoustic you get it from touring yeah you know? even even when i like i've had a few rehearsals with the band recently you're not playing as hard as well i, I i'm not i don't play as hard as i would at a gig nah. it's not the same it's not the same, and, and you'd be and a fucking get... madman if you if you did that in every rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, you know? crazy. Good exercise. I've had, I've had no back problems or arm like shoulder problems for eighteen months, and there's a reason why. Yeah, <laughs> when we were on tour, I'm like, you know, I've had up. similar, yeah, similar issues, and I, I've, you know, I've seen you. You go for it quite considerably, and um, you know, I've had people on the podcast that I've asked about like injuries and things. You mentioned your shoulder. I've like, I, I had a. I had to cancel a tour before because my shoulder kind of twang, twanged a couple of days before I was meant to be going on tour. And I've had, you know, I've had issues from, from playing the drums and yeah. whether that was due to me not warming up probably, or I remember it specifically, I stretched for like a China symbol. I was there. It was, one, it was one of these gigs where, you know, you, you have like a 15 minute changeover. You've got to stick your stands on and, you know, it was, it was probably a kit share. I can't remember in Bridgend in, in Wales of all places. And yeah, maybe my kit wasn't perfectly placed. And I just oh, remember yeah. kind of my, I have a China on the right there anyway, but it was kind yeah. of maybe a bit further back than normal. And I it just, I just felt like, a, oh. and yeah. And I kind yeah, of, you're making me wince. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I yeah. I, I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh. You might have had something similar, but yeah, it's not easy on the old joints, especially the shoulders. Um, I, I have I had an issue with, with the wrists. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was the most the ten, tendon thing again. It was probably I didn't sleep that well because we were traveling, and I probably didn't stretch enough because I was probably setting up my kit. Um, I was kind of at the stage where sometimes I get a drum tech, sometimes I don't, depending on the budget. I, yeah, 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 and okay, I, yeah. I, I'm I'm quite OCD as well, so I kind of like doing things myself, setting up my stuff myself. When I'm on tour, I'm I, if I get a guy and. Obviously, we've got we can practice it every night. We can get to the stage where I show up at soundcheck and it's all perfect. It's great. But when when it's a festival, number one, I find it's not always the same people available. Um, there's limited time, limited space. Um, so I kind of like getting involved and in doing it myself to make sure everything's correct. Because it's I still do too, mate. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Good. You know, I like I like to I like to stick my nose in. Crew yeah. fucking hate it. There's always me, like you know. You don't mm -hmm. want to do it like that. You want to do it like this, you know, coming yeah. over. And I, I have a tech. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's still there. I, I, I don't think I could ever leave 100% trust to a, a tech. I don't know. I, on tour, I'm not so bad because obviously it's continuous. It's the same gears, the same everything. But um, yeah. Different stage, different yeah. rises. Touring is just is different to doing festivals unless you're touring with your own production. 
you know yeah that, that is true yeah and yeah it's it like, is different, different riser situations where sometimes my i've quite quite a small kit but i i, I have everything quite wide considering i don't yeah. have many pieces I like everything wide. So sometimes I show up, I'm like, there's like a little square drum riser and I'm like, my kit won't fit on that. Even though it's only, you know, one rack, two floors, you know, four cymbals, nothing, nothing ridiculous. One kick. It's just the way I have it. Everything is quite I'm the same. With a width. And you've got a big gong drum, haven't you, normally? Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you, I've got quite a big setup the currently. Big, big drums as well. Big drums it? and I have everything wide. Yeah. So I, I, full extension, I'm like, pretty much there cool you know full extension and i have the goal all the way around so there's lots of twisting and i you know the only reason i do it is because i think it looks cool i think it looks cool it, but it, does, you know? it definitely looks cool and and then i'm like yeah I'll, I'll, I'll take the punishment of having to set it all up and you know hurting myself because mm-hmm. i you know i don't play like that if i sit down to a drum kit if i set up a drum kit i want my, my crash here i want to just be comfy yeah you know i don't want to be like smashing it all the time yeah but the way i have it set up live probably like yourself it's like there's something about watching a drummer go for it on a rock gig oh yeah there's a part showmanship element of it comes out whereas i I try and balance ergonomics with showmanship to some degree because i've had the few injuries i guess i'm a bit more conscious about it because the the last thing i want to do is cancel more gigs because i've done my shoulder but yeah you know i try and you know get the arms up and I still don't have like high crash symbols. I still have my symbols reachable, but I can, I just, you know, needlessly put my arms up and yeah, you know, that's what it is. What it's about. That's that's what you want to see. Boring. boring If it's just like, I I, like, even though there's some amazing tactical drummers that are flawless with regards to how, how they play. There's so many of them. I just find it boring to watch because there's no facial expression because it's obviously easy for them. And, and I'm just like, I don't really want to watch a drummer like that. I'm with you, mate. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm completely with you. It turns me off. I'll listen to it. If I see it live, like, mm. I, I, I want to sort of get the energy. Yeah. That, you know, that's that. And for me watching, um, you know, with drummers, I always used to remember going to watch bands and it'd be like, I want to see what the drummer's doing. And yeah. if he's just sitting there, just, you know, whatever, I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to me if I'm watching high energy music and yes. rock music's generally high energy. Exactly. If it's, if it's a rock band or a metal band or something, I, yeah, I want to see the musicians giving it their all. Yeah. If it's a chilled out, you know, I don't know, some chilled out, something that my yeah, mum, mum listens to. Yeah. Or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can kind of, but you, can you don't want to see the drum. Yeah. But you don't want to see the drummer over. It's like that no. fucking guy at the wedding, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you pick the situation. It's like you can still groove and put your personality into it, but I wouldn't play. I filled in for a couple of gigs for a couple of bands in 2019, and oh. I didn't play as I did in Skindred. What what bands were they? Anyone I'd know? Um, I filled in for Reef. Um, oh, wow. So I was doing. I definitely I did, know them. <laughs> yeah, so I did Reef, and um, I wouldn't play like I played in Skindred for them. I played one up, one down. Yeah, you know the way it was, and just sort of grooved. I mean, I did play heavy, but there was no way I was headbanging and giving it the fucking the you know Billy Big Balls for them because no. that's not the gig. Exactly. So, but that but you know great fun, and I did another thing with another you know um, solo guy called Andy Taylor from Duran Duran. I did that, oh, wow. and he wanted a bit more. Of, he wanted it. You know, yeah, he wanted it, so I yeah. could do it. So, awesome. 
which is great. But those kinds of things, it's like, well, you know, you pick the gig, don't you? And I think Skin Dread is that gig. And for you, it's the same. It's like, absolutely, yeah, give it. Yeah, got to, got to do it. Got to do it. But yeah, and that's awesome. I'm glad we share the same same opinions on that. And um, one thing I was going to mention when when I wouldn't I wouldn't mind knowing your opinion on it. Heavy metal bands, especially when there's lots of like double kick involved, and there's triggers. And I think to achieve a certain speed, you need them. Apparently, like I can't play that okay. fast. I can't. I don't have that technical ability to do it. But when when I when I'm watching metal drummers, even though it's blisteringly fast, because it's so fast, I feel it's impossible to make it look energetic because there's no movement because everything's too fast. Well, that can't be. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, and like that's why that's why sometimes I'm like the music is really fast and really the tempo is crazy, but then you, there's nothing to watch. And and it's high energy. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I mean. Yeah, people are going fucking nuts to it. But then you've got the guys just standing there because. Yeah, and same on, yeah, similar on guitar and stuff, I guess. Yeah, when, yeah, when it's, it's really technical. I don't know. But but then you watch something like Meshuggah, and it's yeah. like they're they're having it and doing that stuff well, with all the different, you know. So I don't know. It's all down to taste and have you know, yeah. it gets you going, isn't it? It yeah. is, man. Yeah, it is, that's man. That's it. That's I, cool. I like groove. And yeah, that's that's my main thing. That's what yeah. I like. You know, give me Brad Wilk. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, pocket you'd heavy. Be good, you'd be a nice guest to get one day. Oh, uh, brilliant. probably very unachievable, but probably, you never know. You never, nah. you never know. So yeah, you may, you mentioned your influences. Um, well, were they? Is there any other other drummers or bands you'd like to kind of? The show like I said, Brad Brad Wilk. Yeah, massive. He's yeah, massive influence. John Bonham, obviously. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the old school classics. Bonham, Copeland. Yeah, you know? Copeland, I mean, yeah. even last to some degree, if I'm honest, um, with Metallica. I mean, not so much for the playing. But because of the music and where they were probably the first heavy metal band, you know, yeah, you know them and Maiden, but they, you know, two different kinds of things. I mean, it was there was a whole load of those bands, you know, the, what do they call them? The Big Four, the thrash bands, yeah, Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, um, Slayer, yeah, Slayer was. I loved all that stuff. I mean, but drumming wise, I never really went down that road. I was more into Mike Borden from Faith No More with Chad Smith, yeah. Just, rock, you know, just Roger, all like rock drummers, yeah. Roger Taylor, yeah. yeah. Roger Taylor's like my ultimate, you know, so musical, all those kind of guys. And like, yeah, I was always, I'd have rather have been a drummer like that in a band like those because they yeah. didn't that, that didn't happen, you know. No. So, but yeah, that, that that was where I was at. And then you know, it's like any kind of thing. You go heavier and heavier and heavier once you've got your gateway, and then you sort of come back. And you know, <laughs> these days, it's, it, um, I listen to everything and anything and you know just yeah. like any other one I just you know just want to hear something I can connect with as a song or as a as a player you know there's a guy called what's his name Nate Smith oh yeah 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 and he plays for um well, what's the name uh, the woman of Alabama Shakes I've forgotten her name Brittany uh, but he plays for her and um and a load of other stuff and he's incredible incredible groove player nice you know? nice so Some good loads names. of different things yeah, yeah, loads of di- loads of different stuff, and I think um, I always looked to um, America as a early on, you know, apart from you know the classic rock. But when I got into it as a teenager, obviously I got into new metal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was. Only, was I, I, I'm assuming we're fairly similar age, so we must have yeah. done. I definitely did the new metal thing. You know, I was massive into Limp Bizkit and 
corn yeah. and, and all that. Just it was just a thing that was you yeah. know, and I mean I was into other things as well, but yeah. you know, I, I remember listening to those records and you know, that was a big influence on I think everyone that you know it was a you know I'm from Devon in a small town and you know you had all these kids dressing up like they uh you know they'd robbed hot topic in the states yeah it's like i didn't really think about it at the time but it was weird it was like you know there was all of us hanging out together it's like yeah we know better than everyone else it's like you guys look ridiculous and there is proof (laughs) photo proof that i get reminded of yeah yeah but musically it was like there was there was a movement and i dug it i was like yeah it's cool and i think the big bands that have survived that you know that that is testament to that was something happening you're always going to have leaders yeah. of a movement and uh, you can have all the followers and I like I'm lucky that Deftones and those sorts of bands even though I never really thought they were new metal but they came out of that time you know, they've sort of surpassed it haven't they they've just they're their own thing they're doing their own thing really every yeah. album smashes it it's great yeah I mean he's a fantastic drummer yeah Abe, Abe yeah 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 he's, he's yeah, nice yeah, guy he's, you met him have you oh wow yeah nice guy he's got like a a really good memory for once you meet him once he's got you Really? He's one of them. Yeah. Oh, cool. He's one of them. Yeah. That's nice awesome. dude. Like, I, I feel like, you know, when you meet these people, you you have to reintroduce yourself because they meet so many people. Yeah. And it's like, I do that every time I say, oh, hi, you met me. He's like, no, I know you. It's like, wow. Okay, that's cool. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. I guess, obviously, you've been, you've obviously been in those situations. It's the festivals and there's probably the award shows you've probably being lucky enough to be at and things like that. You've, you've got to meet and mingle with lots of other musicians. Whereas yeah. I, cause I haven't really done a hell of a lot of that yet. And I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, of, I'm a little bit shy, really. I know I do this podcast and all that. I'm a little bit more of an introvert to, to be honest, socially. So I, I'm not the kind of guy that would kind of go and mingle with other bands. I'd kind of stay with my band and crew and, because I don't know, I just, I feel like unless I'm invited somewhere, if someone invites me over or whatever, yeah, great. I, and I'm sure I can make a conversation, but I've just been that way. I, I think this is helping me maybe yeah, have a lot more confidence to kind of just realize I can just start chatting to anybody. I don't need alcohol. I'm always sober, you know, when I do these interviews and stuff. And yeah, it's really, I think it, hopefully now when, when festival seasons come comes along, because I would like to network more with drummers, especially for this podcast, but I would never... I'd never think I would ever go up to Abe Cunningham at a festival or whatever and just introduce myself and start chatting to him. I don't know. I mean, from my end, the way I've always been, it sort of happens. Yeah. Like the the times when I've gone, I really want to talk to him and I've tried to and it's failed. I've been crushed and not because the guy's been an arsehole, but like more something's happened or it's stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been crushed. But if it's sort of, you know, at festivals, your dressing room's next door. Yeah, I guess that's that's a bit more and, natural, I suppose, if you just Yeah, kind of it's like you're them. walking around, catering, you sort of it sort of happens. Like yeah. I I met Matt Sorum um nice. a few years ago at Hellfest when he was doing um what was his name? Uh something ritual, his new oh, band uh, he was doing. Deadland Deadland Ritual. Deadland Ritual were playing and we 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 finished our gig and his bus was next to ours and I was like gonna say hello to Matt Sorum. Oh yeah. Because I I met him when he played um with the Neurotic Outsiders, which was like uh, this punk band. Yeah, he took yeah. and Steve Jones and yeah. um John Taylor from Duran Duran. And I waited outside as a kid and he gave me a drum skin which he signed. And he was really nice and Duff signed it and they all signed it. I was like this is cool That's as a very fan. Cool. Very cool, yeah. 
And I wanted to tell him that I was like, you know, almost, you know, 30 years later, I was just like, you know, thanks. Just one of those kind of things. And I didn't get to do that because he was on his way to the stage, but <sighs> shook his hand, said I was a big fan. And like, that was enough for me, you know? Yeah. And that was yeah. cool. That is cool, isn't it? Yeah. When you, when you get someone like that, he was, he's been on my show, luckily, because my old man knows him. So he was. That's amazing. He, I'd never met him in person, but he was like my third guest or fourth guest, I think. So it was like, awesome. I was nervous as hell, but he's such a nice bloke. He just made the whole thing so easy. And, and now I think, well, he's like, I, I consider him like a Hollywood megastar kind of. Yeah. He is like a, he's like a Hollywood celebrity kind of, he's not just a big famous drummer. You know, he's got, I think his wife is famous or she's a famous actress or model. I don't know. I can't remember, but. He yeah. looks cool as fuck now, Matt. Yeah. Doesn't he's he? Like, he's, like like he's got that thing. He's 60 odd years old, but he, he looks really good. Yeah, there might, be, there might be some Botox involved. Who knows? Sorry, oh, Matt, if, it, if it's not. But <laughs> yeah, everyone else does it. Why not? <laughs> but um, yeah, he was uh, he was super cool, man. So if you, hopefully you'll get the... Well, he started playing with um, Billy Gibbons now. From yeah, Top Suit. Yeah, so I don't know if they... He told me they were going to plan on touring Europe eventually. So oh, I'd definitely go and watch. Yeah, I would as well, definitely. But um, yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, you might bump into him again and you can yeah, I mean, tell him the story <laughs> that's it but you know there is all these kinds of things i'm sure you have yourself when you're sort of like you say you, you you tend to keep to yourself when you're touring for me it sort of depends i mean i can be the guy that will just go hey and just go in and make myself at home yeah and be, ha- and be happy and some days i won't be it just really depends you know sometimes you know if you've been at a festival all day and you have had a few beers yeah that things, helps it does help it, it, it does help because everyone else, if, if, if you're with everyone that's doing that, you know, mm. it's like when you have those backstage bars and everyone's having a beer together, suddenly it's like, you know, it's level playing field, I think. Yeah. You know, it's, it's cool. And you yeah. end up seeing and sitting with people that maybe you wouldn't usually have sat with. But, you know, in my day-to-day life, you know, would I cross the road to talk to someone famous uh, who I uh, probably not? I'd probably be like, I'll just leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> That's how, yeah, that's how I feel. And I don't, I don't know whether it's, it might have something to do with obviously growing up with my dad, who obviously mm. isn't, he's not a megastar, but he, he occasionally gets recognized. I mean, he is to some, man. That's to the some thing. Pe- yeah, to some people. Yeah, to some, yeah, to some people, he's like, you know, is, you know, is a very important person. But yeah, I've been in situations, I guess, with him. And it, like, sometimes there's no, like, you know, we, we say in, we're in a hotel, I'm on holidays or whatever with my family when I was a kid and then like, would I be having breakfast or something? And then someone would come up and ask for a photo. It's like, there are better times to kind of ask than, than this those is situations, you know? So Of course. Yeah. So I, I mean, that that's just, I think human courtesy, isn't it? If someone's yeah. having their food, yeah. obviously in a conversation with someone, like I remember not to name drop, but as a, as a way of handling yourself, I remember um, I met Nikki six at, the classic rock awards like years ago very cool and um we were at a table it was me and mikey and our agent and we were on anthrax's table funny enough and oh, sort of knew, knew those guys and we were on their table and nikki six was over there on the table just over and i knew the guy he was with like um he worked for his label and i went up to him i was like dude could you introduce me just want to say hello and get a picture don't want to bother him yeah but he was so fucking nice he was like, yeah, me and Tommy love your band. 
because I know Tommy Lee because I've met Tommy Lee a bunch of times and he's lovely yeah me and Tommy Lee are pen pals (laughs) well that's crazy that's amazing but but I'd never met Nikki Six and I was just wanted to have a picture with him and say hello and we're talking and the conversation's going on for quite a while this is and Nikki Six is obviously famously sober right and you know I'd had probably a couple of beers nothing no one was drunk it was early in the evening Mm. and this guy kept on tapping him on the shoulder going Nikki can I have a picture and he was going I'm just having a conversation. As soon as I'm done, picture is yours. Just let me finish my conversation. And we just kept on talking for a couple more minutes. The guy did it again. And Nikki Six was like, excuse me, Aria. He goes, dude, you're being really rude. I'm just having my conversation. I will happily do a picture and have a chat with you, but I want to finish my conversation. Came back and I was like, cool, let's wrap this up because he's now starting to get bothered. Yeah, but yeah. the way he handled it, I was like, fair fucking play, dude. Yeah, like, that's, that's that's a rude. Yeah, tapping is oh, like tapping is tapping someone. Let me get, let me have something yeah. from you. And it's like, I don't know. I thought if someone, you know, I, I'm just a drummer in a band. I'm, you know, I'm talking to Nikki Six. It's a big deal for me. But the way he was he, talking to me, he was making it feel like it was a big deal for me. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, was, yeah absolutely. Humoring, and I was like, this is really cool. And then. I would never do that to someone, I think, you know, even at a festival, it's like just mm. sort of wait patiently. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then, yeah. you know, I'm sure our tour manager might have told you we share the same tour manager. We do. Sound man. Yeah. Um, might have said that, you know, there are a certain kind of fan, not necessarily fans of those who, who punish. Who don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you don't they don't and it's like everyone in my band will happily talk to anyone at any time. Yeah. But if someone's being a, a bit of a dick, it's like that you don't have the right to suddenly just come in, steal beers out of the dressing room and then go on, you know, can I have a picture? It's like, well, actually, you've been really rude here. You just Yeah. It's like this isn't a free for all. It's like if you know if, you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it, it is that degree of that. And I've kind of seen a lot of that being in like various motorhead dressing rooms for years where I bet you I, have, yeah. But they were very, they were always very, um, well, probably more than any other band, very generous is in very welcome, welcoming to fans, mm. especially the kind of, kind of the super fans. And they would like kind of say, Oh, make yourself home, you know, grab yourself a beer or whatever. And I think it was kind of an expected thin, thing then. But, but oh, I guess. I, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. But I think, but I've also kind of been in the situation where, see, we're at my band's level now. We're playing like tiny, you know, small venues, not tiny, but small venues. You know, our rider is quite small. You know, we're on a lot smaller budget than kind of Motorhead would be on. We've got like four crew members we want to feed and make sure they've got a few beers to have after. And like on the odd occasion that we do invite someone in, Normally, it's someone who maybe used to be used to that kind of, um, what's the word? I don't know. But yeah. The, well, I, you, I guess a lot of people in that situation probably knew your dad yeah. from that, that, like you're saying, that level of when it's make yourself at home. Yeah. And they they bring, they come in with a couple of mates, kind of help themselves to like, you know, six beers, which is like probably a quarter of what we've got or whatever. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's like, I do know what you dude, mean. Dude, it's like, it's not you know we're we're struggling here we like those beers are like that's what you know that's one of the like i'm not a big drinker myself i love to have a beer at at the end of my gig i don't drink before or during but 
I like to come off stage and have a cold beer. And there's been gigs where, because there's been guests involved, and I've come off stage and there's no beers left. And I'm like, that's not oh, cool, yeah. man. I and know then, that one. And, you know, <laughs> and the, you know, the sound guy and the guitar tech who's just been working his bollocks off, there's nothing for him either. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude. And, yeah, it's, it's just like there's, there's, you've got to got to find a, a, a balance. And I think some people take it too far. And then I guess they're the kind of people who maybe won't get invited back. And, you know, well, they that's lose, it. They lose I mean, out on that privilege. I feel like when we've done this, because with Skin Dread, we'll do the festivals. Sometimes we're high on the bill. Sometimes we're low. Mm. There's no like common thread for a Skin Dread show. We do everything. We do Brixton Academy, but then the next week you'll see us in Tunbridge Wells Forum. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like that. And we've always been like that. We've always done the bigger shows and then done the smaller club shows. It's always been fun. The bigger shows, it's not so much of a problem because access is controlled by you. And, you know, if, if a fan comes back with three, you know, with three mates and they're a super fan, you have a, you know, have a chat. And so that's great. But it's more yeah. controlled. It's when it's the little clubs and pubs where you, your dressing room is a tiny little, you know, corridor next to the stage and your beers are up on a shelf, which if you're, you know, if you're on stage playing and all your crew are working, you can literally just go, ah, oh, just take them. Yeah, I see. And you send, yeah, and you can see it happening as you're playing, going, cheeky little bastards just fucking reached over, you know. It still happens. And it's like, yeah. you know, like I said, we're happy to talk to anyone, have, do all that thing, because, you know, without the fans, as you yeah. know, it sounds cliche, you're nothing, but yeah. it's just everyone needs to just chill out a bit when they're doing it, you know, and just be like, that's happy to have a chat but then there's the other people that just want to sort of have a go at you because you you released a song they didn't like or you know, <laughs> it's like i'm only telling you because i'm being real with you and it's like oh great okay Thanks. so yeah. i have to like, have to listen to how much of an arsehole i am now for five <laughs> it's crazy man <laughs> but, yeah, this is this is the world we're in and it's always, yeah. always going to be around but you've got to I'd never swap it, but it's just when I think about it, it's just comedy, isn't it? Yeah, it is funny. Yeah, just I'm grateful to be in a band, and I'm sure you are as well. And of course, for, for being able to do it for so long is amazing. So, um, oh, ultimate yeah. privilege. No, so, you know. I'm not trying to have a dig at anyone in particular. If, if, no, if, if, if anyone's listening and they think, oh, is that me? Is he on about me? Is he on about me? That guy that stole all their beers. Yeah, yeah I am on about you, actually. <laughs> Don't do it again. No, that's awesome, man. Um, like you mentioned, some of the stuff you've already done. Uh, with Skindred, like you said, you've done big shows, small shows, festivals. What what would be the career highlights for you personally? Oh, it's a bunch. Um, I think when we first went to America on the Babylon re-release, like we, and we re-recorded a bunch of songs for Babylon and did like uh, extra bonus tracks, that, that album came out over there. I think it's like the third time it came out or something. But yeah. I was going to ask, we, so did, did you re, so you re-recorded some of those tracks? Yeah, re-recorded it, a bunch and then um, did extra tracks as well. Right, because, yeah. Because yeah. um, me and Mikey didn't play on the UK edition because we joined the band just after it came out. Yeah, because, sorry to butt in here, but because my, my first, the first time I heard Skin Dread was actually my old band with my brother Todd. We actually recorded our first album in our band with Jeff and Ginge, who were like the original yeah. members, right? So that's kind of how I first heard them. So the version so I were know... were they in the band? Were they, they in the band? They, no, they weren't in the band then. But it, Did it you record of, it in St. Joseph's? It was the not, boxing club? Not in Pill or something. Not in Pill Studio. So, yeah, yeah. so it's like the, the basement of a boxing club. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It was a boxing club. Yeah, it says. yeah that was so it. So yeah. that used to be our room. 
Cool. Like that was Doubles Room. Right. And yeah, then yeah. when we first started with Skin Dread, Jeff and Ginge didn't know what they wanted to do at that time. Yeah. And so me and Mikey joined, and that was our practice room, which we shared with Jeff and Ginge. Oh. And over the years, they started getting into the production, and we took the room opposite. Right. Okay. Cool. So the room opposite was became the Skin Dread room. So it was a proper family affair. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone seemed yeah. like they were cool. Because I remember Benji came in at one point, and obviously they weren't in the band, but they were all cool together. So that's cool. But I, what my what I was wondering was the album version that I that I'm familiar with. Whether you're on that or not, then I don't know. Um, Probably not. The first when the album first came out, um, two thousand one or two thousand two. I can't remember. Whatever whatever the year was when yeah. the first album came out, that doesn't feature me and Mike. Okay, right. So. Okay. We joined the band, I think the album came out in like June, and me and Mike joined in like October. Oh, right, a few months later. So okay. Yeah, I mean, mm. I think they've been touring, because I mean, I supported Skindred in my old band. Oh, wow. Which is... Is that how they sort, scouted you, kind of? Or well, that... we are manager at the time, a guy called Dave Farrow, who manages like the Levelers, um, and um, he runs Beautiful Days Festival in Exeter. And he has his own label called DMF. So that's all he does now. His brother Andy Farrow managed Skindred. Right. And I knew Andy through Dave. And we supported Skindred and done all this stuff. And when we after we supported Skindred, apparently when Ginger said he wanted to leave, he said, Oh, you should check out this guy. Oh, cool. That's and cool. So and then when Ginger said that, I think Andy, the manager, was like, Well, I already know him. Oh. So it sort of happened like that. Convenient. Had to audition. Did you? Okay. Yeah, had to audition. You obviously impressed initially. You obviously made an impression doing that gig. So you came up. So that's cool. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. So then I got that. And then, yeah, rest is, you know, yeah. history, as they say. Yeah, exactly. cool. But yeah, um, didn't play on that record. Played on the, the re release. We toured that record for fucking years. Yeah, I think it was yeah. five years. Yeah. Wow. But one of the highlights, I think, for us, well, for me, was when we did, um, we started doing like the talk shows in America. Oh, cool. Conan O'Brien, and we hosted this TV show, Fuse, and all these things like that. Whoa. Which was really rad. And, you know, we found out the record went in the top 10, the single, and all this stuff. And it was like, wow, that's okay. Ma- that's massive. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, for the US. That's incredible. And we were on tour with Corn at the time, doing wow. like their, doing arenas with them. And so, I mean, our touring over there was just nonstop. And so that point in time, I, I look back and go, at the time, I probably took it for granted a bit more than I should have done. Because mm. Do you know, it was happening to you. Yeah. I didn't, you think, we oh, didn't I, have to. You, you probably think, oh, well, I deserve this, blah, blah, blah. But a little, not, a bit, not so much I deserve it. It was more of like, this is what this is what happens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I didn't know any different. I yeah, mean, I guess I was you joined tw- the band. Yeah, I guess you joined the band and... I was like was... 21 when I joined the band. Wow. And then well, by the time we're doing this, I was like 24. And so I just assumed this is what it was like because all the bands we were touring with, that's what they were doing. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wow, okay. And we were literally in America for years. And I'm, I look back at that now because we don't really go there as much. And I go, that was a very special time. Absolutely. You know, and sold but... fuck loads of records. It's weird. Like, yeah. to, like, co- like to comprehend that now. And I think at the time we were all, you know, just fucking buzzing to be there and to do it. And we toured so much. Like we would jump off a tour to join another one with like a couple of days off, do another two months, jump off another two months, two months, tour, tour, tour. And 
we, we really ignored the UK. So when we came back finally to the UK, it's funny, you talk about Muse. This is a story I've always told. At the end of, sort of 2005, maybe. So we'd been, or 2004, actually. 2004. So the end of this time I'm talking about, we did this festival in Orlando, in Florida. And on the bill, it was Corn, Us, in Lost Profits. I know bad, but they, they were a big band at the time out in the States. They were... Mm-hmm. They were sort of doing shows with us over there. So it was us and them, the used. This is all on the main stage. And then there was the second stage, and Muse were playing the second stage. Uh-huh. Tiny little stage. And, you know, I think the third album had, was, had either come out, was about to come out, because I don't think they did anything on the first couple of records over there. I think the no, third record really... They were, yeah, they were building up in the UK, wasn't they? The second album was like, got them really big so, and yeah there was the third they, one i would imagine would have yeah sent them stratospheric or whatever that's it yeah it's, 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 <laughs> it started happening for them i just yeah. know that and everyone was buzzing about watching muse on the third on the second stage so we go over there watch them play fucking kill it i start talking to dom the drummer and you know a couple of the other guys and say you know just talking shit whatever and i said oh you know what are you doing after this and he goes oh we've got um you know three nights at earl's core back home I'm like fucking hell, you know. Yeah. He's like, what, what, what are you guys doing? I'm going, oh, we're doing the Barfly and the Cavern Club, and so we had this complete sort of opposite journey where we were doing quite well in America, and then we came back to the UK where we almost had to start again. Wow. Well, I guess was, you, you might as well keep keep on that wave when you're in America because it's so hard for to. British bands to break America. From what I like, I've never even toured there. I did did South by Southwest, but that doesn't really count as touring but like yeah I'd, I'd love to i'd love to do it. i've never have done it but yeah from what i've heard just just kind of breaking that seal of america to be able to tour oh. and, and get on those kind of bills i'm sure it must be difficult to keep to, i imagine just budget budgeting it is difficult i i just imagine the cost must be pretty high to be able to well this travel is what i so think far. about now yeah and then i didn't well, it wasn't your issue, really, I guess. This is the thing. The and this is why I think I took it for granted. Like now, I think about that stuff and go, oh my God, how much money did we spend? Yeah. And I can work it out. It makes my fucking brain go, because, you know, we weren't making money at that point because we were signed to a major label yeah, who were paying for tour support and paying for all these things. It's like, I know when we supported Corn on their arena tour, we were getting 250 bucks a night. All right. So that's, that's covering Jack. Oh, not covering uh, anything. Uh, uh, probably the petrol and the van. Yeah, not the hotels, no. or the, any of the crew. So that's there you go. That for because I, I try and explain this to some of my listeners, especially some of like my patrons I chat to, because it's not that clear what bands actually get paid to tour, especially support slots. Even though you can maybe see a band in a in a big arena, it doesn't mean there's a lot of money floating about. And they've still got Dude. to pay all the costs. And yeah, that, that's, that's shocked me a little bit, to be honest, for that kind of size. Yeah. At that time, we were selling, I think, trying to remember it right, because I got a tattoo. We, we were sold 100,000 records at that point. So I got, I got a tattoo in Las Vegas to sort of co- commemorate it. That's very cool, man. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, getting 250 bucks a night. Uh, we played for 20 minutes on the tour. <laughs> which was mental literally four songs takes you, long, takes you longer to set up the drums yeah it's fucking <laughs> hilarious but i mean it's a tour that i'll never forget that cult, old kind of thing because it was so 
they were so massive that band at the time yeah. and you know being in that circus and we were just riding the wave and it was you know having to do those things like doing mtv and all these weird things that you know wow just thought it was it was happening to us i guess that's the thing so you talk about career highlights i put that in a hole doing the america thing it goes into one yeah but then coming back over here and literally reworking the uk first time we headlined brixton academy and selling out that was like yeah that's, am- that's amazing yeah that is amazing fair play you know congratulations then, oh thanks dude that was yeah. like fucking Long ultimate time. buzz yeah. yeah but ultimate buzz it's like you know this is you know, going to that venue as a kid and going oh my god it's fucking yeah. huge and you're like wow huh. so doing that and then i think polish woodstock for us which is a big big buff it's 750,000 people yeah i've heard about which, that one yeah it's ridiculous like, I, like i can't, can't even really I, comprehend it i can't i literally cannot comprehend what i would look like because surely you can't you can't see the end of it you, no I walked out so many people. Um, at the beginning of the day and there were de- delay towers for wow. half, every half a mile. Wow. So you walk half a mile, there's a delay tower, another half a mile. So I think it was like two miles or something of people. Have you seen that? Um, you know, That's when Metallica it. play in Moscow, like there's that famous video of Metallica, it's like the Freedom Fest or something, like Mos- there's like a big thing where Pantera played. Metallica played in Moscow. It was like in the early 90s, I think. And they had a similar kind of crowd, I think, where I think they might have pushed a million on like an airfield. And that's what I always thought. But when we played at night, because of the lights and everything, as soon as the house lights would go up, yeah, you couldn't couldn't see anything apart from people. And it's flat as well. There's no hills going back. So weird. But that that was buzzing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I i was going to bring that one up if you didn't mention it but i, oh, I thought sorry. i thought it might no i thought it might come up because that's, that's yeah i mean it's, it's, that's insane you know that's, and isn't it like a free festival or something like that yeah. or, it's, it's crazy yeah how are, they, how are they well someone's paying for something someone's well paying, i think the government pay for it the government yeah that makes sense that's yeah, awesome because it happens on the borders i think so you've got a lot of people from germany coming over ah. and um i think the guy that uh organized it he was actually at the original woodstock all oh, right amazing so that's like the, that's the vibe so it's polish woodstock and it's sort of you know when we first we've done it twice the first time you know didn't really think anything of it but the stage is very very high and there's no barrier okay that's strange yeah it's fucking weird yeah and so the next time we did it the prodigy were headlining the night before us and their tour manager rang our tour manager going you've done this before there's no fucking barrier and none of us have really put like two and two together going, oh my God, yeah, fucking almost a million people with no barrier. And they go, we're not going to play unless they stick a barrier up. Oh, wow. So they brought this barrier in. Obviously, the, the guys at Polish Woodstock were going, we've been doing this for years, you know, don't worry about it. And the, the prodigy had like the foresight to go, actually, we are going to worry about it because if someone hurts themselves, it's on us. Yeah. And so they brought, they brought a barrier in. And I'd never really thought about it at the time. And so next time we played, there was a bit more of a gap to where you could see the people, you know? Yeah, I see what you mean. Very yeah. sensible. But, you know, we would have played and not really thought anything of it at the time. Yeah, because yeah. you was assume when you turn up to a festival, they've got their shit together and you just... Yeah, normally, it's yeah. Their, it's their rules, isn't it? You don't, you know, but very smart. And I think that's the way it's been since then. Great. You know? oh, I'd love to They're do that cool. one day. Fingers crossed. Oh, dude, you will. I feel like I'm the bastard son's playing Polish Woodstock, please, to the, the yes. festival gods out there. 
please make, make it happen, it happen. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be great it'd be great hi i hope you're enjoying this episode of drum for the song i just wanted to briefly interrupt the interview to tell you about my patreon page which is a place where you can support the podcast and of course support myself you can um, sign up to one of the three tiers on there there's one that's three pounds a month one that is five pounds a month and one that is ten pounds a month there are loads and loads of exclusive benefits to signing up including bonus episodes merch discounts christmas card for myself um, if you sign up to the top tier, I'll send you a pair of my drumsticks, um, loads of other stuff. So go check it out. It's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. And, um, another way you could support me if you're interested, if you're not bothered about the Patreon thing, if you go to my official website, drumforthesong.com, you can send a donation via PayPal. So, um, yeah, thanks for watching this and enjoy the rest of the show. Run for the show podcast. For some of the all the skin red fans out there that are listening, do you have a favorite song or an album that you've done with a band? Yes, yes, I do. They change though. I mean, live, I think my favorite song to play over the last like five years has probably been Kill the Power. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think just to play it's so much fun, it's got a bit of everything in it and. Benji really whips them up during it and we piss about with it. We make, you know, do different things with it, you know, each, each tour cycle. So I think that's the one I always enjoy playing live album wise changes. I think, I think kill the power or union black, I think might be my favorites. Awesome. You know, I th- um, I'm more, I'm sentimental about Roots of the Riot because it's the first one, my first proper one. With you, yeah. Know with me and Mike and the new and the lineup, the new lineup. And we started writing songs for it as soon as we joined the band. And so there were a bunch of bunch of songs that were like, I think the second tune we wrote as a band together was Root Boy for Life. And we did that five or six years before the, we went to record it. And so that was pretty cool. Nice. Moments like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I'm not picky, mate. I like no, you're just proud of it all. <laughs> so for anyone that hasn't shared the band, it's like I've got people from, what's saying now, you, you said you've done America. There's people who listen in Australia, America. I don't know how big you are in different reason, regions, but if they haven't heard the band, what should they go and check out first? I mean, I don't want to say Spotify, but it's very easy for me to go just go on Spotify. Well, yeah. You see the top tracks, isn't it? And you yeah. Can... <laughs> the top but tracks it... are not always the, you know, in my opinion, they're not always the best ones. They're just kind of the ones that are always were more, you just they had just more the... commercial success with them. Doesn't yeah, mean they're they had the chance. Ones. Yeah. They just had the chance. That's it, exactly. Yeah. I think um, if you were going to go listen to Skindred, I think it would be, I'd probably say Roots or Riot or Kill the Power. Cool. There you go. I mean, I'd even say Babylon because it's got, it's, it, you know, it's, we haven't moved so far away, but there is definitely a different style, I think, from, you know, Union Black to Babylon. Right. But just you know, different players as well. It, it does make a difference. And different Absolutely, ways yeah. of songs are approached, and you know, fans will go, "Oh, I can't, you know, we want another nobody." It's like, well, you're not going to fucking get one. You've <laughs> got one anyway. So <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. It's like it you know, <laughs> talking about your, you know your dad's band again. It's like yeah. you can't do it again. It, no. it's, the, it's the moment in time with what happens. You can't just go, "Oh yeah, we we'll try that again." It's like 
never works. No. And so you want to you have to appreciate the journey of any band, I think. I know I'm going off in a tangent here, but it's like any band that I I love have gone on journeys together, you know? Yeah. Lineups, whatever, but you know, the albums have changed. I don't want to hear the same thing over and over again. I want to hear a bit of difference and a bit of, you know. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. Because if every album was just like a copy of the previous one with different words on it or whatever, you know, what's, yeah. the, point? what's the point? You know, I, I know there are people who say, oh, yeah, ACDC do the same thing. But, you know, they do and they don't. They have, they have better songs on each one. You know? Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, it's different because, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I guess they are an example of, of a band that fairly stayed within the realm of whatever they did. But they kind of, created that and that's their identity and yes yeah, it's, it's like, like quote. <laughs> yeah exactly and at the end of the day they still write great choruses and people sing along at the, at the gigs and the musicians are still slamming it and so that's no, cool but um, yeah. that away from no but for us that. go back and have a little listen to oh, i don't know Salem partridge say the best of the beatles the best, best of skin dread, best of skin dread. <laughs> you're you're yeah. coming up to that stage where you could probably put a best of album out have you ever yeah, thought misses. about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think we've spoken about it. I th- mm. For us, it really depends on the label. Yeah, because we've been on so many labels. I think politically, it's going to be quite difficult trying yeah. to ask for things from each label. And so, that's I true. think that's what we wanted to do, like a live record, which cool. we're aiming to do. You know, the that live be, record. I think that would be great. Actually, yeah, that would be because you're, you're known as the live. You're, you're known as being one of the best live bands in the UK. Well. In the world but like yeah that would be a good way to kind of put it out there to people don't want to pull back the curtain then too much do you it's like oh there's <laughs> this great live band listen to the live cd oh this sucks it's like nah, suddenly man. no one comes to the next gig <laughs> uh, nah man it's, it's great and obviously you could do the video side of it as well then yeah yeah the cool thing because it is very very visual as well isn't it i guess the show and definitely i think you know with benji as well being like the uh <laughs> what you call it like this the ringmaster absolutely yeah that's exactly what he should be called yeah yeah he's like you know master of ceremonies ringmaster and it's like for us in the band every show there is something different it it never goes on rails even though i want it to sometimes Uh, you know it's like just shush and he always we mean him have have a good laugh because he's like we're talking about the other way it's like when he's talking too much at festivals he's always like it's me going Know, yeah, because you've got to keep, things you've got to keep the times, you know, on yeah. festivals. You can't go over your time. And, I, and I'm so like over the top with it, with it. <laughs> I, I sometimes think what the crowd was thinking when I'm there going like this, going, you know, <laughs> doing all this stuff. And we were laughing about it before download. I was like, oh, dude, just do what you're going to do. I'm not going to do any of this. Don't worry about it. I get a fucking tap on my shoulder, like, you know, towards the end of the set, going, we've got to spin this up. I look at it, I'm just like, Mm. <laughs> you know because that's to happen yeah but yeah but with him it's everything's you know he's the ringmaster he keeps it all all in track right so, you know it's on him which is fantastic and i think with a live album visually you get to see that and obviously hear that too so awesome man no uh, yeah he's he, he, he strikes me as being a fairly spontaneous guy like, i don't know him but i just imagine oh yeah he, anything can happen when you're on tour with him and or yeah, 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 whatever. I mean, this this is a funny story, but this is how. Okay, go back to the corn story I was telling Eric. Okay, telling yeah. earlier. We're getting we're getting two hundred and fifty bucks a night. 
No one was making any money, just happy to be there. But every day we got 10 comps. Okay. What do you think we did with the comps? <laughs> Sold them. No. We went out back, black hoodies. <laughs> yeah. Anytime there was a scalper, we'd we'd go, oh, we sell them for 50, 40. All right. <laughs> every day. We had no guests. We didn't know anyone. Yeah. And that was all Benji. Benji came back with a fistful of money one day. I was like, where the fuck did you get that? And he was like, I'm not telling you. Uh, and Daisy then- wouldn't tell me. Then he broke and I went, I'm coming. So me and him would go out and scalp. Brilliant. You know, selling our own tickets. That's fair enough. But, yeah, why not? I didn't, I didn't have a problem. They so were going to pay more for it. That's what I mean. Yeah, you're actually getting more comp tickets than you are you are getting paid. Yeah. Your fee is crazy. So they can obviously, no. but they could have budgeted it for a little bit more for you, yeah. I reckon. But I don't know. Back in the day, we were just yeah. happy to be there, mate. You know, yeah, got no, catering, exactly. got yeah, fed. Well, well, that's good. That's the main. That's the main thing. If you're not getting paid, you need to eat. So as long as they can feed you, that's great. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, I've heard you're a bit of a tennis fan. I am. Um, I'm Love not. Tennis. I'm not a big tennis fan. I'm just going to be. I, I like it when I put it on, but I just don't put it on very much. But um, I heard there's a story about you playing tennis with tennis legend Pat Cash. So for anyone who, story. who may <laughs> may be interested in that, do you want to tell us about that? Well, I'm sure you know who sorted this out. So um, for anyone that's listening, the band Ugly Kid Joe, the singer Wick Crane. Right. He's a, he's a good friend of our band. I know he's a good friend of your dad's and Motorhead. And I don't know, have you have you met Wick before? Yeah, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. We, we, we toured with him in the UK a couple of years back. And so, yeah, I've, I've met him over the years as well, yeah. Wick's, Wick's his own man. He is. Wick's, <laughs> and Wick has amazing stories. Known Wick for a long time. He's super cool. Went out drinking with him in London when he was over. Went to the Crowbar, which is like the... the London hangout rock yeah, bar. I yeah. And so we're all hanging out. Wick goes to me at the end of the night. What are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, nothing. You know, I'm off tour. And he's like, do you want to play tennis with Pat Cash? And I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah. He goes, I'm playing tennis with Pat Cash tomorrow at the Queen's Club, which is the All England Club. It's not Wimbledon. I live actually just around the corner from the tennis. But, um, oh, wow. Yeah. I can walk there up the road. It's quite funny. I did that it the other day. That's very cool. Have you, have you been to the, the recent competition? Um, just outside a couple of years ago, I got tickets and went. Oh, so I've been before. But, awesome. Um, love, yeah, I love it. But uh, he goes, oh, I'm playing tomorrow, Pat Cash. Do you want to come? All England club. You've got to bring your whites, all the classic. <laughs> and I'm just like, he's not going to phone me because he's wasted. And like, this is just too weird. Next morning, right, we're on three o'clock. And I'm like, oh, this is happening. So I get on a tube, go meet Pat Cash. But, the, you know, I went sort of in black like I am now. And yeah. I think Pat Cash was a bit like, you can't wear that stuff. I was like, oh, I've got my gear. Don't worry, pal. I've got my gear. Because you, you have got to be in all white to play at these things. That's crazy. Just yeah, hanging out. You have to. Wow. Yeah, it's it's, it's the club rules. Wow. So you can, go, you can go dressed as you are, but you, when, you cha- when you go in the changing room, you know, you've got to get into all your whites, headband, all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I, embraced, I embraced it. And so when we're going out to get rackets for whip, we go into the car park because um, Wit didn't have a racket and I think uh, Pat was going to lend him one. Right. And if anyone doesn't know, Pat Cash is like Wimbledon champion, US Open. He's like this huge tennis star from the 80s, 90s, like proper bad man. And he yeah. loves rock and roll, loves rock and roll, which is cool. the connection with Wit. Right. So anyway, we're going down to get to, to Pat's car and there are like all these Porsches. 
fucking Mercedes Benz. And like, he walks past, going down. I'm going, which car is he going to be? And he's making like a funny deal out of it. And I don't really get what's going on. And he gets to this sort of really posh Mercedes Benz and like looks at us and goes, ah. And he turns around, and he goes to this crappy old polo, <laughs> gets the rackets out. He goes, this is my car, you know, just fucking this little runaround. I was like, what a bad man, you know? That's so cool. So we play tennis. It's fucking great. Yeah, hang out, talk to bit. He'd know he knew my band. He'd seen us play, which was cool. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was a big ugly kid Joe fan. He's, yeah. Who, so who, I told nice guy. It was three of you playing. So did you? Did you have like well, one doubles and one singles? Or how, how did Whip you do? Whip brought his misses, right? And Pat and Pat brought his, and so there was actually five of us. Ah. And so we just so we had two courts, and so we played a couple of warm ups on the other. We didn't actually play a full match. We right. just it was a knock. It was a knock around. Knock around, yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. You know, well, it was a bit so of sure. coaching. Yeah, it was a bit nice. of coaching from Pat Cash. Yeah, but that's pretty. Why don't, why don't you try doing this? It's like okay, awesome. Such a cool story, and yeah, Whit, yeah, fucking Whit, great. Whitfield Crane. Or a voice, or a legend. What a dude! Um, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he, we can see him again soon, but uh, yeah. You never know what's going to pop up. That's the thing. I've you heard know, stories. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, my my dad knows him very well. I think he's he's just decided to jump on tours with Motorhead. Yeah. Very frequently and just kind of just lived just on with the, the backpack. Road. Yeah, with a backpack. Yeah. That's just, wit. Yeah. I think he's the last I heard he was in Costa Rica at the moment yeah. so he's down there somewhere then. <laughs> loving life fair play I, I'd, yeah, love, to, I'd cool love to be dude. doing that as well now awesome man um, right we we haven't actually talked about your drums much so what I've seen pictures of your current drum kit but you want okay. to tell everyone about it yeah um, I've been with Tama now for I think almost yeah 15-16 years something like that cool. they've always looked after me um, and currently I'm using like a Tama Star Walnut which is fucking lovely. Mm. You know, size-wise, I'm on a 24 by 16, um, 13, 16, 18. Got yeah. like a side snare, gong drum. And um, Tamra have always, uh, yeah, just supported everything that I've done, which has been really lucky and really fortunate, to be honest. And um, going back again, see, it's all coming back to the same story. I got the Tamra deal with on the corn tour. Oh, right. Oh. So at that point, I was just borrowing people's drum kit. I was borrowing, um, a, there was a band called Nonpoint who we shared managing with, and I was using the drummer Rob's spare kit on the road until I could get my own. Wow. And, and I've always wanted to play Tama, and um, the drummer, David Silvera, and his tech helped me get the deal, which was really kind of them. That is, that's amazing. If, when people tell me stories about that, I'm like, that's so cool, because they don't have to do that. They obviously no. feel like they, 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 you deserve it, and you deserve some help, and and the fact that they go out of their way to do that. And even the, the artist relation guys are obviously really busy as well. So like to actually say, look, this guy, you need to sort this guy out because he, he's really good and his band are great and all that. That's cool. It must mean yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's rad. That's, yeah. that's how I got every um, every endorsement I had was through a band. Like um, when we toured with Disturbed in the States, I, I'm Evan's head. Yeah. Let's, you know, I was like, you know, is there any chance? I mean, I asked, I was like, you know, is there any chance you can introduce me? He's like, yeah, he's coming to the show in two weeks time or something. I'll let you guys chat and we chatted. It was like, next, it was a done deal. And it was Great. like, it's fantastic. But sticks, it was Veta on tour with Seven Dust. Yeah. And, you know, Chad from Veta, we played Boston. It was the same thing. It was like, yeah. And it's just all those relationships have just lasted since then. I mean, it's weird because I got signed 
on all my endorsements out of the States because we'd spent so much time there. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. everyone thought we were an American band at that point. So, ah. you know, and then I got to you know the British guys over on this side and it was like, well, we have you as like a, your deal's like an American, you know? It's like, well, I live here. <laughs> ah, that's cool. Yeah, because people don't realize this different, like headquarters for the different brands and then there's the distribution yeah in each different country that sometimes have to deal with it so it's 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 quite complicated isn't it because you can you can have a really good relationship with you know the guy you met in in the states but then he somehow has to kind of introduce you then to the the guy who deals exactly. with it in the uk and stuff and yeah it's yeah it's, it's complicated I've, but, I've had my guy ian um at tama who does headstock he's been you know doing that for a few years and he's been awesome yeah really. i feel he's a really cool guy yeah, lovely guy. Really, you know, lives and breeds drums. You know, loves talking about them. Loves, nice. you know, he's he's been really proactive. I think in sorting, you know, a community of drumming drummers out. You know, via Tamar and stuff. He does Zildjian as well. So yeah, it's been awesome. I, I moved to Zildjian actually in 2016, so I had been with Sabian. Ah, oh, right, okay. And, and I made a move, um, which is the only time I've ever swapped anything around company wise, and it was. The first symbols I ever played were Zildjian symbols. And I just got to a point where I was like, if there is an opportunity for me to play these symbols again, I'd love to. And it just sort of happened. Yeah. You know? I guess it, it helps with the, via Ian, I guess, could have. That was via Ian, actually. Yeah. Um, Made and, that happen. Um, Tina, who was working at Zildjian at the time, yeah, she was lovely. I think she's she's moved on now. But um, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's always going to be about people, this, this industry, you know, just. Yeah. If you can talk and hang and, you know, obviously take it for granted that you can play your drums and you're in a good band. Yeah, but exactly. Not, not everyone gets, you know, I talk to loads of drummers who aren't endorsed you know, or want to be and it's like they've had horror stories and I'm going, I don't know, it's always been fairly, it's been fairly easy if I'm honest for me, which I, I, can't, I don't know why. It's just, I've always, I've never chopped and changed apart from the one time, which I think yeah. is something to do with it. I've never been one to go for free stuff. No, it's I like, think, I see a lot of drummers and every other year they, they've gone with a different brand. And I'm like, why? Because why did you go with that brand in the first place? Like, yes, you, you just after, if you just have to free stuff and when they stop giving you free stuff, you'll have to whoever else will give you free stuff. I don't really understand that. Um, I can understand, you know, upgrading or maybe there was a particular reason you don't want to use these symbols anymore or, you know, they're breaking too much or, well, I've just discovered I actually really like this range of this other brand do. So I would like yeah. to try them. I can understand that. But when it's just kind of you're chopping and changing. And I think from the drum industry point of view, and people like that will get a reputation for not being loyal. They will. They will. I'm sure, I know they do. Yeah. Um, you, you and it doesn't, do. and, and it's such a small little world, especially yeah. in the UK. They all know each other. Like yeah. The guys go to these trade shows, they're all hanging out. Yeah. Like they're not rival brands like that. They all know each other. It's like, I don't know. I just, you do things for the right reasons, don't you? It's like, yeah. I love Tama drums. They've treated me really well. I hope I treat them well and I, I, I'm happy with the relationship. And yeah, you so know, why, why, why do you need, why would you need to change? Yeah, it's strange. I don't know. I've always yeah. loved bands where they've been with the same, you know, it's like, it's like seeing Slash Lack Gibson. It's like, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah. There's just things that go together with those things. Yeah, it's an identification. As, as When you're a musician, I think you notice these things more. I guess mm. maybe non-musicians don't really pay attention to the instruments being used 
as as much as we do. Um, I, I'm sure they pay attention to the imagery, though. Yeah, definitely. That's the but, thing. It's, it's just subliminal, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, if someone, so if someone, um, you know, someone did like a, I don't know, a painting of Slash, and he was playing a Stratocaster. They'd probably re- recognize that something about yeah. that doesn't look right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's it. It's like Bonham, Ludwig, these things. It's like yeah, Lars, Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. I, I've always liked that. And, uh, you know, I just think it's cool. Now you're, now you're part of it. You're part of the legacy. You're part, part of the Tama, Tama legacy. Yeah, it's cool as fuck, dude. Yeah. And why, 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 like, when, well, you, I know what your answer is probably going to be. Why pink? Why not? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> do you know the funny thing is I've never had a, a black drum kit. I, I bought my first one last year, first ever black kit. I don't know why. And, I just thought, I, I never had a black kit. Let's try a black kit. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I, I, I'd, I'd like one. I'd like a matte black one, I think. But I always liked kits that look cool under the lights. Yeah. That was the main thing. And it's like, I thought Skin Dread, it's, sort of, it's pretty outlandish. Yeah. It, it fits the personality of the band. Yeah. You know, it, I think it looks when you look at it as a thing, I think it's like oh, it's a fucking pink drum kit. It's like this is something to. It's going to make you look twice for like for a fan at the festival who, for some reason, might not know who you are, and someone starts bringing a pink drum kit on stage. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna check out yeah. who that's gonna be. You're gonna be who's that then? Who's on this stage at this time? And this funny. It's, it's something. It's like yeah, I was yeah. gonna go because my the kit beforehand I had was like um red, gold, and green sparkle, but like individual toms. So I had like a uh, red. You know, sparkly red, you know, sparkly black kick, you know, going down it. And I had that for ages. It looked great on the lights. And yeah. it was actually Ian, when I was going about the new kit, he was like, you can have whatever finish you want, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe a silver spark. And he was like, oh, everyone's doing silver sparkle. Huh. And I went, oh, they are. I mean, I do, I have a silver sparkle already, but it, it, there's something classic about it, which I really like. Yeah, I, I yeah. like I like drums like that as well, yeah. You know, yeah, they just they, they look classic, exactly. Yeah. And he was like going, oh, you can do better than that. I went, oh, they're like fucking pink. And he's like, yeah, there we go, <laughs> done. It's like, Perfect. cool. You know? so, they, so they built that for you, especially in, in, yeah, in, in those Japan. colors. That's cool, yeah, yeah, that's pretty damn cool. Which is really rad. And with Tama, you have a little certificate on each drum on the inside oh. of the shell. With the you know the guy that actually made your drums, yeah, which I love. I, I love stuff the like that. Stuff. I love stuff like that as well. Yeah, and I, 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 you probably don't know, but I use I use Sona drums, and they they're like handmade, handmade in Great Germany. Drums. Yeah, so yeah, they have they have like annoyingly the kit I had, rather than I think there's like a they used to do little signatures inside the shells. Yeah, with who the bloke. Who built it? But the new kit I had, I didn't think it had that. It had like little labels. Like obviously, you remove the label with the signature of the guy and the date or yeah. whatever, which was cool. But like I've kept them, but I'm like they're separate to the drums now. It's kind of like yeah, if you I like lose them, being part of the drums. Yeah, like I like I like the way it was before. But maybe maybe I've just maybe they're there somewhere. I don't know. I haven't really had it long enough or been able to play it properly. So I bought it like last November, and we haven't played a show yet. But I'm looking forward to taking it out on the road. For the that's, first time that's ever, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, really exciting. Do you, do you collect drums? <sighs> no, I got more than I need. I wouldn't say I was yeah. a collector of drums because I, I, I went through a stage where I was kind of in a touring band. I was doing like little pub gigs. I was doing acoustic gigs, and I wanted to be equipped for whatever kind of show I had come up coming up. I had a small car, had a, like a VW Polo at the time. 
So I'm like, well, I need a few smaller kits. So I kind of like bought some lower end kits that were in these small sizes. I've got a kit with a 14 inch bass drum. Oh, wow. Like t- eight inch rack tom, 13 inch floor, which is, I, I only ever gigged it twice, but like in a very, in like a pub that wants you to keep the volume down. Like a bebop kit. Like- yeah, it's kind of like that. They called it, a, it's called the Sona Martini kit. But um, you know, it was only a couple of hundred pounds. It was cheap. Um, and then I've got one with a 16 inch bass drum. I got one with an 18 inch bass drum. And I've got like one kind of vintage kit from the 70s with a 20 inch kick drum. These oh. are all just one up, one down kind of basic kits. Yeah. But um, I've gigged out a few times and I've, rec- I've recorded with that for a few sessions I've done, which is cool because it is a vintage beach shell oh, lovely. kit from the 70s. And it actually sounds that way, which is nice. But yeah, um, I've got more than the end of the day, the storage is the issue. I don't really want to pay for storage. Um, I've got most of those ones I mentioned in my garage, which last last night absolutely pissed down and a lot of water got into my garage. So after this oh, conversation, shit. I'm going to try and might have to oh, sort that out a bit. I went in there because my, my neighbor kind of knocked my door. He said, oh, just to warn you, um, I noticed there was a lot of water under, the, under my garage door. You might want to check yours. I was like, gosh. Okay. He, and he knows I've got a load of drums in there. So I went in last night and it, somehow it, the water had got to like halfway to the back of the garage somehow. It was like, oh, no. like 10 minutes of just crazy rain. I don't know. It must have been like sideways rain or something to get it together. It's pretty but, punishing here too. Yeah, I mean, probably the same thing then. Yeah. So I mean, I'm in South Wales, but we're not that far. No, no, you're, you said you're in London, right? Yeah, I'm in yeah, London, yeah. Uh, probably got the same thing to an hour later or something like that. Pretty much. <laughs> Whereabouts where in South Wales are you? Um, I'm near Philly. So not, not oh, too cool. far Cardiff. Um, I guess. See if you've I got... used to live in Newport. Oh, there you go. So... Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm about equal distance from Cardiff as I am to Newport. But I'm more oh, in the go. valleys. So I'm, I'm there. Cardiff's there. Newport's kind of there. They're kind of, it's like a triangle of stuff but yeah yeah obviously yeah but i'm not i'm not far from either of those places so whenever it's a nice place to live because you're not in the city i'm not in the city but i've got access to the cities quite easily yeah, yeah, if i want yeah. it's quite it's quite cool um yeah it's all right but um yeah hopefully my drums are okay yeah um, fingers crossed Touch yeah, wood. i know um we've come to the end now um I, I normally do a quick fire round if you're okay with that 10 quick questions just so everyone can get to know you a little bit more not all drum related. Some of them are. So okay. do, you, do you prefer hot or cold weather? Hot. Same. Daytime or nighttime? Daytime. Same. This is, sorry, that's the same as me. <laughs> uh, sweet or savory? Savory. All right. I'm more of a sweet, sweet man. Guitar or bass? Ooh. Do you know what? I think I air bass more. Bass. Is it? Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, I like that. Air bass way more. Nice. With with the fingers or with a pick? Oh, yeah. Fingers, bit of yeah. a thumb lick. Thumb, thumb, yeah. Yeah, yeah play nice. up high as well. Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> nylon or wood tip drumsticks? Wood. We didn't really ask you that earlier. Uh, John Bonham or Neil Peart? I think I know what your answer is going to be. Bonham. Yeah, same year. <laughs> you know, no disrespect to anyone. But no, no, no. It's just more, more I, my I vibe. didn't grow up didn't grow up with uh with rush no it not me l- later thing like i i, I bought know. i remember when i was like a teenager and i was into like a little bit of prog 
you know, I did, I was like, oh, the dream, dream theater. Oh yeah. Like drummer's amazing and all this stuff. I went to see them a few times and then someone's like, oh, you should get into Rush. My dad never really got me into Rush or anything like that. And I bought whatever the new album was at the time. And I was just like, yeah, the musicianship's incredible, but I just, I just don't really feel it, you know, and I never bought another one. I was so, the same. Yeah. I was the same. I just didn't feel it as like, I like, I really like Genesis and I like the old Genesis stuff and Phil Collins. He's up on the list, by the way. Oh but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When I got married, actually, we had like um, the table plan. Got like these little, you know, vinyl forty fives. Nice. I've got like I'm looking at it now with all the drummers, you know. So oh, John wow. Bonham, you know, Stephen Adler, Keith Moon, Phil Collins, Lars Ulrich, and then we have my name for like mm. the thing, for the which is very cool. Yeah, that but, is yeah, cool. But Phil Collins, bad man, and I got my prog fix, I guess, from those from that side of it. it didn't mean I didn't like Rush. I just never listened to it. Yeah, really. it's a shame because yeah. obviously there's so many people that are diehards, and I just feel like. I, they talk about songs. I'm like, I don't know what song that is. I don't know it. Yeah. Um, I, I, you could play Rush to me and I'd know probably the, the famous ones. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't tell you the names of the albums. I mean, mm. it's like just, you know, but there's so much music around. There's not enough for everyone. There's exactly, so yeah. You can't so, get exactly. And yeah. And yeah. As a drummer, obviously he was incredible and pioneering. Yeah. So. It goes without saying. And I heard Rob. he was a lovely human being as well. So. Yeah. Which is more important. Uh, that's great man and right this is this is the one that sometimes i get surprised by beatles or rolling stones rolling stones hmm. interesting <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm more of a beatles guy but that's cool um cl- clear or coated drum heads coated cool so yeah you, coated. So you use evans and you so do you use yeah. coated tom heads yeah yeah cool. i use um Same. what they call them the ev twos they're new the new ones they're doing, which okay. are absolutely great. Yeah. There you go. Like a salesman for Cheeky them. Plug. Cheeky plug. The, um, the last download festival, the real one, so 2019, that year they sent me a bunch to try out. That's the first time year they came out and um, haven't, nice. you know, they, they're staples now all over the Toms. Sound great. Perfect. Yeah. That's very cool. It must be nice to get to the stage when they just send you stuff to try. That's nice. I'm not at that stage. Yeah. Yet. It was very cool. Very <laughs> yeah, privileged. That is, yeah. That's awesome, man. Great. Great. Um, big or small venue? And you've kind of obviously done the smallest to the biggest. I'll take the biggest. Cool. I think when this is all over, it'd be easier to put me in the smallest than it will be to put me in the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll keep the big, keep, do the big ones. Yeah. First. Po- Polish Woodstock. Uh, f- favorite time signature to play? Oh, 4 4. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone says that. But yeah. yeah. It's, it's... I, 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 time signature stuff is like, if it at all, if the listener gets thrown and doesn't know anything about music, yeah, then you're, you're doing too much, and you can do whatever time signature you want as long as you keep it. I, I, for me, just personally, if I'm sitting there, my wife's bobbing her head, or That's you know, cool. tapping her foot, then it's it's all great. If it's like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. I'm, I sort of get a bit lost, so no, I, I want to dance and want to move. Yeah, you know? this this there's music. That's made for musicians, isn't it? And then there's music oh, yeah. that is made for everybody else and musicians, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think yeah, this depends what what you're doing. Obviously, if you there's people who there's thousands of people that go and watch progressive metal totally. bands and stuff. So that's, there's obviously an audience for that. But yeah, it's not for everyone. So yeah, you know when you uh, you know watching the old disco, yeah, you know 
footage from the 70s and stuff it's all just there oh. I, I, quite, I quite like that yeah that pulse you know yeah and that's, that's what gets people moving at the end of the day and me and you are drummers we want to get people moving and, yeah, and it, it works isn't it? yeah <laughs> that's that's great man um then quickly before we end i've got i mentioned i got a patreon page one of the benefits of the top tiers are they get to su- submit some questions for me to ask you on their behalf Oh, that's so if you, cool. If you've got a little bit of time yeah, of course. to go through a few more of these. Right, so I'm not going to tell you where I hear this, but I hear you're a bit of a James Bond fan. Yeah, slightly, <laughs> obs- slightly obsessive, yeah. So I, I know one of my my patrons, Steve, is a massive fan as well. So I said, oh, i got Aria from Skindred on. He's a big Bond fan. Have you got anything you want to ask him? So uh, he came back with this. So what Bond film was your first and got you into the franchise? So. The first I remember going to the cinema to see was uh, A View to a Kill, ah. which was Roger Moore's last Bond. Wow. Okay. And I went with my dad, and I remember it because it was the same sort of year that Back to the Future came out. So I'm 41. So I would have been about five or six. Are you 41? Yeah. Wow, you look younger than that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fair so, play. Yeah. Play. Oh, I, I, I assume when I because I oh, said I will look at myself now. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. He's probably mid mid thirties like me. I'm thirty four, so I thought you. I just well, assumed I, you. I, you know, when you well, said we're the same age, I assumed oh, I know, just we're no, the same age. I'm I didn't even know. That. Oh, <laughs> so I, that's the first one I ever went to see, and um, I have a soft spot for it because cool. of that. And. Yeah. Roger Moore is my favourite Bond, but I'm sure I'd seen them before, like other things on TV before I went to the cinema. Mm. Like, because I was quite young, you know, to be going to something like that. But that's the first one I remember. You know, okay. and then I was, yeah, been hooked ever since. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and then he's one more question from him. After oh, all, you, the, I could the, do a whole podcast with this guy. You could do, yeah, you probably could. <laughs> you could like, I, I. It sounds like he's a fanatic. Like you, he said, he listens to James Bond podcasts and stuff like that. So yeah, I do too. Yeah, there you go. He probably listens to the same <laughs> one. He probably get on with him really well. Uh, after all the delays on its release, how excited are you for No Time to Die? Uh, oh, it's going to release end of September apparently. Yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, um, when Spectre came out, which was the the last one, came out on my wife's birthday. So for her birthday, I took her to see uh, Spectre. Is she 10 into a, it as well? 10am showing. 10am? She's not into it. All right, yeah. I mean, she, she likes it. I think yeah. she likes that I like it. And, you know, she'll humour me sometimes when I'm just sat, you know, watching TV by myself and I, you know, put a bomb film on, you know, which I've seen probably a thousand times. And I'm <laughs> still watching it like I've never seen it, you know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I just, uh, I love everything about it, you know. I like, I think they've got amazing now. I think the Daniel Craig era is just awesome yeah i'm sad to see him go yeah i I, i'm i'm not a huge fan um is it only mainly because i just haven't seen many of them really i remember when i was younger it was the golden eye thing and obviously we had the video game which was big i'm a big bit of a gamer and i was one of oh yeah i'm big into you are cool there you go yeah so like yeah big in n64 this is actually how i originally met this steve i used to play golden eye there you go yeah yeah no odd job but yeah no our job that's cheating there you go yeah so that that was like kind of how i i guess got into it and i remember the one after wasn't as good 
and then I skipped a few and I, I've seen a few of the Daniel Craig ones and they've all, they've been really good, but I, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember quantum of solace. I think I've seen that. That was, yeah, right. that was pretty good. Solace. And obviously they're, they're, te- they're technically amazing, you know, with the, the, the modern, the technology available now for like all the explosions. And it looks so good. And I just, I, I think you're a victim of whoever, when people say who's your favorite bond, right? You're a victim, I think, of who you you feel nostalgic towards. And, Nostalgia you know, is massive, isn't it? Definitely. For me, that's the bond. Like Roger Moore is is number one, right? Like because obviously he was the first one I saw, and then it was like all those films were just on TV all the time. Yeah, you know, like when I was growing up, it was sort of you just you know Goldfinger with Sean Connery was yeah, you know, Thunderball, all those classics were on, and I remember being um yeah sort of seven or eight or whenever the living daylights came out and being aware that there was a new bond yeah and going like i can't wait to see that and so every single one since then since abuse of a kill i've seen in order which i think is pretty cool actually, that's really cool that's it. really cool yeah 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 you know and there's always but, a, quite a few years in between each one so it's a nice it's a nice way to get you excited when the next yeah, one comes I, out like i think with this one i mean it's you know it's his swan song, isn't it? He's not doing another one. He said he's not doing another one. So I know I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited. Cool. I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll try and watch that one as well. To be honest, I think I, I should try and figure out which ones I've missed from his his collection. I think what you should do is buy the James Bond Blu-ray set. All of between them. now and September, watch a different uh, different Bond. You can watch them all I, in se- se- sequence. I'm not against that idea. If I didn't have a podcast, maybe I'd have time to do it. But no, I don't. I was talking about this. I was talking about this yesterday. So it's like you kind of like think, oh yeah, this will be fun to do in lockdown, and then you realize it takes over your life. <laughs> and, okay, how many and do you do a week? Do you do like uh, well, one or two weeks? It's not. It's not. I don't actually do them. It's it's more to do with like the editing. I guess I'm not the fastest editor because I'm not really. I kind of taught myself how to do it all since. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have any history of like audio editing or music editing or anything like that, or video editing. Cause I do the video side of things as well, which to a very basic standard, but you know, I try and do it. They're all on YouTube and stuff. Uh, but it's a lot to do with, it's the plugin and the, the marketing side that is essentially you just spend in every, every, any spare minute that you're not doing something else. You think, oh, well, I could post about that on this group on Facebook or I should yeah, push yeah, this yeah. Or, I could, or I should post this video. And it, I try and, and the problem is, I know that the most active time for people to be on social media is evenings and weekends. And that's when I would love to say, right, I'm going to put it all down now and chill out with my wife. Watch a Bond. And watch a Bond film. Like, obviously I do things and I, you know, I'm, I'm not, con- I'm not 24 seven, but it is, it's always on my mind. Like say if I'm watching something with my wife and I'm just like, well, I might be replying to, to a couple of comments because if someone comments on one of my posts, that's great because that helps the algorithm. So I got to reply to that guy yeah. and and stuff like that. That's what helps more people see it. And and she's she's really supportive, and she helps me out with the artwork side of things because she's like a, well, that's a, cool. an illustrator, a graphic designer, which is cool. So she's just designed me a new T-shirt design, which is which is another way I can try and monetize it. Obviously, I'm not really at that stage where I can monetize the show yet. But um, yeah. You know this. this That's great, though. Yeah, it's cool. I'm wearing a t-shirt. That's now a cool and, shirt. Yeah, the, it's the back design is really cool. But I'll send I'll send you a picture later. But um, yeah, it's kind of a way. 
because obviously, you know, same as you, obviously, you're not playing gigs. So, and that, that was a large chunk of my income beforehand. You yeah. Know? So, hopefully, it's coming back soon now. So, yes, dude. Should well, be I'll now. see you at Bloodstock, I imagine. Yeah. Are we on the same day, though? I don't know. Because we're probably only going up for that day. Yeah, I think we're only doing one day, but yeah. Let's let's pretend for everyone that it is going to be a massive party. See party bloodstock. of bloodstock, and if you yeah. if you don't have a ticket, I think there's tickets available, and there's oh, a there wonderful host of bands performing. Um, most of them I can't pronounce, and I can't. <laughs> I don't know what their logos read, but um, yeah. Skin Red and Bill like... Campbell and the Bastard Sons are playing. So that's it. <laughs> I say that I think it's some it's amazing bands playing as well. To be fair, well, if have... you were playing the same day as us, we'd get your dad up to play the song you played on with us. That would be cool. Yeah, we haven't. I don't... Yeah, we've never, never done it you. with him. He's never. Yeah, we did now. it. We've done it with um Gary from Reef because he sings on the same track. Oh right. Ah. Yeah. So yeah. both of them are on that on the same track. So we did it with Gary, which was fucking wicked fun. So we need the both of them actually. That would be epic. That would be epic. That'd be great. Yeah, man. Oh, let's see. I'll check the date and be, that'll be great if it happens anyway. But um, two more questions from yes. another pa- Patreon, patron, Paul Hutchins. There was a lot of surprise when Skin Dread were announced to headline Steelhouse Festival a few years ago, apparently. I don't know. It was a horrible evening with the rain pouring down. <laughs> what was it like from the band's point of view? Um, it was awesome actually i remember it was a it was a horrible evening i'm just remembering it now because it's up it's the one that's up the mountain yes it's like in in the valleys in wales that's it yeah yeah and i don't know if it was a massive shock to us to be asked to headline it because we just thought well if they want us to headline then they must like us so So, didn't think it was like i don't know if it was controversial to anyone but it it certainly wasn't to us no um we're happy to you know it's always a pleasure and an honour to be asked to headline an event you know, yeah. with other bands and other heritage bands as well. I know there was a bunch of heritage bands on the bill. Um, I do remember there was a band called Last in Line playing, and that was... Vinny um, Apathy. Yes. He, he, yes. he was on my podcast a few, well, last month maybe. He was amazing. Did you speak to him? Yes, I did. Ah. It's quite funny. So <laughs> I showed up. I mean, it was... It, it was um, think we were on rental gear for some reason just the way the touring had happened we were flying in flying and we we're on rental gear and i was there tuning my drums and we were on you know these festivals but backstage you have usually the people that don't know what backstage what the, the stage yeah. is like you, you have your curtain essentially or whatever it is yeah. behind that you have all the bands setting their gear up and so there are multiple drum kits set up the headliner is usually in place and so when it's headliner time, the curtain comes down and the headliner's gear is all there. So very long story, but I'm setting up my gear with my drum tech and he's on his drums in front and he's blitzing away. And I look at him and I'm like doing the whole, yeah, you know, this is cool, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so he stops and then um, I start doing that to mine, getting the things out. He wanders over to me and I went, God, he wants to have a chat. This is cool. He goes, you're not going to do that while I play, are you? And I went, no. And he just walked off. That was it. <laughs> that was it. I was like, son of a bitch. But um, I watched him play and he was fucking brilliant. You and brilliant. I was, I, I thought we were having like the hang. I was like, this is it. Just yeah, I- like one of those moments we were talking about. But he was just, he was getting ready to go on, I think. Mm. Bashing away, getting a bit warmed up. Yeah. I start just doing a bit of tuning and he's just like, yeah, you ain't going to do that, are you? 
Well, we play. I'm like, no way. But there yeah. was one guy actually. I can fuck. I've got a motor mouth. But we, we were playing a festival with suicidal tendencies, and right. they had this drummer called um, Eric Moore. Yeah, and, who's and, like this clinician. He's absolute genius drummer. He's got his drums set up on the side of the stage. As we're playing our gig, he's just ripping all the way through the gig. Yeah. Just like I can see him, and my drum tech has to go over to him and go, "Dude, can you?" Because it's coming through the mics. Yeah, <laughs> like you're, he was just lovely fella. He had no idea. This was like when he was quite young. He was just warming up. So he didn't like know the etiquette of it, or, or no idea. He yeah. was just there going, "Oh, this is cool," and he was jamming along, just playing. And he was like, you know, an immense drummer. I'm playing and I'm watching him just like going, you know, just steamrolling around, obviously in the same pocket as the song, but just, you know, I'm going, yeah, my beats don't quite sound as cool now. <laughs> but it's off-putting as well. Like I've, I've been in that situation where the guy behind the curtain is maybe not blittering around his kit, you know, definitely hitting drums and I'm in the middle of performing. And like, I, like, I wouldn't, I never, I would never do that. You do it. Do it in the changeover, right? Yeah, in the changeover. Yeah, that's yeah. the way it is. Unfortunately, you don't get the luxury of being able Ugh. to sound check and tune everything. You know, some just... of these times, like throughout the years, we did Warp Tour and they split the stage, like the amphitheater outdoor stage, into two. So what would usually be an outdoor arena stage for one act was split into two, and we right. were playing. Oh, well, we were we were doing our line check while this band from this punk band called the Briefs were playing. And the etiquette really is you shouldn't be doing the kick drum. And I was like, I don't want to do it. They're playing their gig. Yeah. So I got off my drums. Drum tech gets up there. It's just, just starts doing it. They go fucking mental, mm. you know? And it's yeah. like, it's this weird etiquette because at Walk Tour, apparently you are supposed to just get on with it. I've done it's, something. Yeah. I, I, it's odd. I've done something similar before. I, I don't know if you, uh, do you ever play like a Taste of Chaos tour? Do you know what that is? Yeah, I know Taste of Chaos. Yeah. And, um, I don't think we've ever played it. But no, maybe I don't know. It might have been. Yeah, I don't know. But I, remember, I played like in a band on the little side stage, and there was always one band on. There was a band on the main stage, and then there'd be a smaller band on the little small stage next to the main stage. Yeah. And I remember having to sound check the drums for the sound engineer while the main band were on. And I was just like, this doesn't feel right. But like, apparently, that's what, what you have that's, to do. Yeah, and they were sort of used to it. But I mean, mm. it wouldn't come through the PA. But he would, they would check it on the headphones, but it's still like a drum being hit. And it was probably while, coming through monitors, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, strange. I've always thought it was odd. And I've always I, felt like a bit weird. Yeah. And I remember trying to do it in time with like his snare drum so it wouldn't yeah. like, be off putting and stuff. Exactly. I don't, think I, could, I don't think I could mentally do it in another time. I don't know. That'd be odd. Know. It'd be weird. Be, odd. be strange. That's when, that's when you just want, you know, you want your tech just to go, I've got this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well. Um, one more from Paul, which is a good question. You, you're very much a band built on the live show, and rightly so. I've seen you destroy huge festivals as well as smash it in really small clubs over the years. Was the live vibe always something that came naturally, or have you had to work hard to hone it? It's a good question. I think from the guys in the band's point of view, like the musicians, me, Mikey, and Dan, I just think we were we were along for the ride with Benji and you just stepped up your game over years, but he was doing what he does. First gig I ever did with him, 
he stopped me. He stopped the song. Like, and I was like, what the fuck is this? This wasn't in rehearsal. Yeah. He's like, oh, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. You know, you're not moving enough. You're not doing this. You know, he started, you know, berating the crowd. I want more. I want this, you know, <laughs> la, 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 doing the, like the showman stuff in this little pub, tiny little pub, no, no stage, we're on the floor. We hadn't rehearsed any of that stuff. It had never been spoken about. And he was like, go on, oh, back in. And I went, okay. You know, click, 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 back into the song. And that was my first taste of it. And I was like, throughout the years, you've just, you know, literally, he will, we spoke about this before, he's just the showman. And yeah, yeah. he was like that when you were hanging around his house. But, you know, spontaneous, he was really spontaneous. No knew what he was going to do. And I think three of us have just, I guess, honed our game throughout years of touring, really, and just being, watching other bands. That's the, the biggest, I think, the best experience you can have as a musician, I think, and as a band is watching other bands and watching people you respect, how they do it, how they carry themselves. And the more yeah. of that, you just lap it all up. And we were lucky to lap that up when we were pretty young, I think, you know, and Absolutely. I like to think everyone in the band has their own thing now and it's due to that heavy touring, I guess. And Benji himself is just, you know, I don't know where he gets it from, but you know, he, he's, his, his influences are so wide like the rest of us, but they're, you know, it's the Freddies, the Bowies, but then there's also, he, he loves taking stuff from film, you know, TV. It's just, you know. So, so unique. Absolutely. So unique. Yeah. And, you know, we're lucky that we've been able to do the ride along with him, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. We're a legend. Yeah. He's going to go down in history as like one of the best front men and singers, actually, as a singer. He's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I'm glad yeah. you said that because that's the thing I think sometimes gets lost with him as a, performer is that yeah he's a performer he's got a fucking amazing voice like yeah amazing great singer yeah you know? one of the best singers i've ever seen ever like actually do it just what he can produce and it, it seems i'm not saying his effort it seems like it's effortless i'm sure it, it is effortless. It, yeah <laughs> it is, it is. It, it doesn't yeah seem he like... wakes he wakes up la, 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 and it's like yeah. I, I can't sing for shit no, and i me. you know and i know that okay you can't sing either right i know if we went to a singing instructor singing lesson they could probably you know, get us to sing in tune or sing something. Yeah. Oh, like, but, yeah. I can sing in tune. It just sounds bad. And right. it, I can only go so high. Yeah. I can't go so, above. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? As yeah. In, for, exactly. And for just, him, it's just there. And the range is and incredible. Mm. Yeah. And it sounds great. And it's just, yeah, he's got it there. He knows, you know, he's blessed with it, which is awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that is one thing. You can, you can obviously improve your singing technique, and you can get better. But if if your naturally sounding voice doesn't sound pleasing to the That's average it. person, you can't really do much about that. And some people have it. I hate the sound don't. of my voice. Yeah. Who wants the fucking hear me sing? Apart from my wife, <laughs> my wife who hates my, it too. My wife <laughs> hates my my voice. Yeah, me too, mate. He's like, stop singing, stop singing like an old man. I can sing, I can, I can, I can sing a bit like Barry White and put a bit of vibrato on it or something like that. But nice. I, can't, I can't sing any. Like I, I'd love to be able to play guitar and sing and write songs, but I just know no one wants to hear the sound of my voice. So I've never been pushed to do it because I'm like, the the end result isn't going to be worth the effort. So what's the point? <laughs> I'll just, just stay behind the drum kit and let other people do that. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, thanks so much for 
given me your time today. It's been a pleasure, been really pleasure. nice to virtually meet you anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's annoying that our paths haven't crossed properly before this. Um, hopefully they will in the future. Um, before oh, I'm we sure go, they will, man. Yeah, before we go, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. That if you could create or form your own band with yourself on drums, featuring singer, well, a singer and musicians from any band in history, uh, dead or alive, but not the members of Skindred, who would they be? This is a great question. <laughs> um, okay, so on vocals, I'd have Freddie Mercury. He's been on a few times. Oh, I bet he has. He's, he's, <laughs> I, bet, probably, I bet he he's has. He's probably like half, half the people have probably chosen yeah. Freddie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and then I would have on guitar... Ooh. I think I'd, I would have Slash. Cool. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Have, I would have Slash. I, I know it works in the Queen setting, so him and Freddie would get on, even yeah. though they never met. But he did the tribute concert. Yeah. So am I, can I have two guitars and a bass? Of course. Is it just... yeah. yeah. Of course, you can do whatever you like. You can have a trombone if you want. Second, um, second guitar. I'd probably have. Ooh. I have a second guitar. I'd have Dimebag on second guitar. Oh, wow. Epic. Yeah, this, this is going to be a fucking weird band. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's what's interesting about it, man. It's just like, it shows your influences as well. And I think bass player, I'd have, uh, what's his name? Pino Palladino. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. So it would be a really weird band. That would be weird. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be sort of, sort of an 80s pop uh, from my end with some shredding metal guitar from a, uh, dime bag freddie's just taking care of business and then i think slash i think we're going in he's going to interplay with with dime bag but it's going to be a more of a soulful riff i think dime bag will be the machine element and pino's holding it all together with me awesome yeah. there if you only, go if only we could hear that that would be <laughs> fantastic no man um that's fantastic just before we go then if people want to follow you do you like people following you or you you know, um, they're more than welcome to yeah. if they want yeah where can, um, where can they find you i'm on instagram as aria dread so you can follow me there or i'm on facebook under my own name i'm pretty uh I'm pretty discoverable discoverable yeah i'm not a bigger social media person so you can get on there and uh i'm happy to post pictures of my cat my drums that's about it <laughs> That's pretty much what I'd like to do, but unfortunately, I have to post about the podcast all the time. <laughs> but yeah, I know, I know. I always say if I didn't, I guess I have to try and push the band stuff as well. So yeah, I do too. I do. Yeah, too. you kind of got. To, I don't think to, I'd have. I don't think I'd have social media if I was if I wasn't in a band. That's what I said the other day. Yeah, I don't. I think yeah. I delete it all. And you know, I think WhatsApp my friends. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much. That's yeah. it, exactly. You know, people will always find you. So, yeah. <laughs> right, great, man. Um, I'll let you get on with your afternoon. Uh, thanks again. Dude. And I look forward to hopefully catching you at the show. And hopefully, there'll be a new album on the horizon eventually. Yes. When the madness mate. is over. Um, is there anything you can share about plans for that? Or is it too early? Um, well, we've signed to Earrate Records. Ah, that's, that's good news. pretty pretty cool we did that um at the beginning of this year sort of march time um and they've been really supportive so far we've got a load of demos um ready to go we're talking to producers at the moment so it's exciting it's happening you know yeah it's it's, it's all happening 
Awesome. That's fantastic. No, great. I look forward to hearing that when it's, I like hearing the end result. I don't like anything until it's done. So yeah. I look yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, there's a lot to go on between now and then. I understand. So it's a lot of work. So good luck with that as well. And, and you don't want to hear people going, oh yeah, check this out. It ain't mixed. Yeah. There's no drum. There's no real drums on it. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. It's, you know, it's yeah. like, just listen to the thing at the end. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, exactly. Man, that's awesome. And yeah, cheers. Thanks for, for thank you for having me your time and yeah thanks for listening everybody cheers cheers take care run for the song podcast thanks for listening to this episode of drum for the song podcast if you've enjoyed this please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on youtube or subscribe and follow whatever you get your podcasts If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too, as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at Dane underscore drums or at Drum for the Song, or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes, video calls with myself, competitions, discounts and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier Groove Master patrons, whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell, and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song! <laughs>